in wanting to connect people to the history and to the people that lived in this time, it, yes, it goes to basically to that idea of be curious, allow your heart and your mind to open for a moment. Mm -hmm. And, and I hopefully have created a safe space in which to do so. Hey, I'm glad you're listening today. This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. I'm not much good at superlatives. I can't tell you what I think is the best movie or the ugliest sweater, but I can tell you that my all-time favorite book is The Phantom Toll Booth by Norton Jester with illustrations by Jules Pfeiffer. There are many things I love about this children's story, about a bored boy's remarkable journey in a toy car. Number one, the map. If you haven't seen it, go find a copy of the book and just sit and consider Pfeiffer's depiction of the lands beyond. It's pure, understated genius. Number two, the metaphors. The book is riddled with sly twists on classic metaphors and turns of phrase. It's a word nerd's paradise. And if I had to choose, it's the image of the humbug swimming all the way across the sea of knowledge and not getting wet, that the latest lessons hadn't penetrated at all, that I find the most wonderful and sadly familiar. Third is the hero is a boy, but the saviors are women. So maybe this is less true now, but when I was growing up, most of the really interesting protagonists I read about were boys. That was just a given, and Milo was no exception. But the colossal systemic dysfunction in this story is only resolved when the girls are back in town. Yes, they're demure and thin and probably blonde, but they are smarter than everyone else, and nothing works without them. Fourth is the punchline. Spoiler alert, so many things are possible just as long as you don't know they're impossible. And five, finally, I loved it before I knew I loved it. For as long as I can remember, I have had a promise with myself that I would look up when I was walking anywhere. To this day, I do just that. This pledge was born of a memory of a childhood story in which an entire city disappeared because no one paid it any attention. I was so horrified by this idea as a young kid that I vowed I would always look up and around. Decades later, I was reading the Phantom Tollbooth to my sons when I suddenly found myself in the midst of that very story. There it was, the source of this lifelong commitment. How can you not love a book that makes that kind of an imprint? So why am I telling you all of this? Because I think I might be sitting down with the author of a story that could make a lasting impression for another generation of young readers. Free Water by Amina Lukman Dawson is a very different kind of discovery journey than the Phantom Tollbooth, to be sure. But it is similarly the kind of book that stays with you. It is, as one source noted, a story told in a tense and highly satisfying way, the perfect read for children who love an immersive setting and complex plot 
and for those who want to learn resistance stories in American history. Siblings Homer and Ada flee the plantation where they're enslaved and discover a secret community hidden deep in the great dismal swamp of Virginia, free water. They join forces with their newfound freeborn friend, Sandy to protect this, their new home from encroaching dangers of the outside world. The story is rich with emotion and knowing. No wonder Amina Lukman Dawson's Free Water is this year's John Newbery Medal winner, the most outstanding contribution to children's literature, the Coretta Scott King Author Book Award, recognized as African-American author of outstanding books for children and young adults, and recipient of the Sibilis Award for Advancing Children's Literacy, and probably more awards I haven't even kept up with. In my mind, free water is a yes and. Yes, it's the recipient of well-deserved, top-of-the-line public recognition. And it's a sticky story that inspires on a very intimate level. I'm just thrilled to be joined today by fellow Arlington resident and award-winning author, Amina Lukman Dawson. So welcome, Amina. Thank you so much, Lynn. I so appreciate being here and your lovely introduction. I'm so glad that this book has touched you in that way. Well, indeed it has. And I'm I'm wondering, I know you're, you've always loved words and books. Mm -hmm. What are some books that made an impression on you? Oh, I had several, but it's interesting. I had those that I chose. And so I was a big Lois Duncan fan. Okay. <laughs> so I so imagine everything from like the third eye to like, you know, the stranger with my face kind of thing. Nice. And then, but I was also a really big sort of classics like Ellen Montgomery fan. So Anna Green Gables, her whole series. Uh, and I have so them all. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I went through a big Anna Green Gables fan of uh, face. And then then I had books that chose me. And mm. when I say that, I mean, books that I shied away from, but that my mom would say, you know, this is great literature, try this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes moms really do know best. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> um, and so that's when I tried Mildred Taylor's Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. And uh, oh, it stuck yeah. with me. And it's something that true, I had, would not have necessarily been drawn to because it didn't have some of the sort of the young teenage things that we were into. But it stayed with me for a lifetime in that the voices that I heard in those were in those chapters. Um, I think Mildred Taylor was masterful in mm -hmm. how she did that. Mm -hmm. So you've talked about free water as a new way to access an old hard history of slavery. And tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write it and to, to go there. Well, I can say two things. One, the the basic concept of Maroons and who, who they were and what they represent for me in history was an inspiration. I just, mm -hmm. I was fascinated by the concept that there were these enslaved folks that found a way out of no way in the wilderness. And yeah. what that meant about who they were, their ingenuity, their their sense of self, their sense of resistance. But it also to me felt like a wonderful way to, to figuratively and literally separate oneself from kind of the hardship environment that is enslavement and find a little just a just a haven a safe haven 
I call it free water. You can call it, you know, this in this maroon community that allows mm -hmm. you to um, hear the voices of enslaved people. And so I thought that was so inspirational. I said, what about this could be new? This could be you're in the midst of this hardship, but you have this safe space in which to hear the voices and mm -hmm. connect. Oh, mm -hmm. that was inspiring. And then, of course, I have my son. That was inspiring for me as well, because I, I first thought of this book, book years ago, but what made me pick it up was for my son. And I felt, yeah. what if I could find a way for him to have a different, a new kind of introduction to this hard topic, find a way for every time he heard the topic, instead of feeling what I felt as, as a child, fear, awkwardness, shyness, what if he had a different feeling that popped in his heart and that said one of pride, resilience, and not that I wasn't prideful as a child. That's the thing. That's an intellectual feeling in some ways and a feeling that comes from the heart as well. But I did feel that fear that I would eliminate that and mm -hmm. allow him to, to sort of connect with this bit mm -hmm. of history in a different way. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about this until just hearing you talk about it. But do you identify with Mrs. Light in the mm. story? I well, I identify with her in that I wish I could be as strong as she was. <laughs> but, well, but I also as a mother, as a mother, I identify. Well, I, you know, there, there are two reasons. There are two reasons I think this. One is that there's this wonderful line where she says the children of free water are the keepers of this story. And it's for them to tell you, right? And it feels like in creating a book for kids to think about and grapple with these stories, you make them the keeper of the story, right? But the other, the other one was, and this was another one that I just, I thought, what a beautiful, what a beautiful line where she says, I'm your mother in this hard work. My work is not to make you happy. My work is to keep you free. Yeah. Yes. And this book does that too, right? Yes, yes. And and in, in some ways, it's funny because you say, do I relate to Mrs. Light? Mm -hmm. When I hear you say that, I feel like I can say that to my son even today in a way. It sort of resonates in that same way where I understand certain realities in the world and he does not necessarily. Right. And he's young. In some ways, he should not in certain ages, you know, and he has a vision of what freedom is in his world. And I have a, an understanding of what it, mm -hmm. it is limited by. And so, and there's always still that tug, you know, tug of war that sadly um, we, we face and, and African-American parents in particular, but in some ways all parents. And so, but particularly in this regard, African-American parents. And so, yeah, that absolutely um that's a wonderful thing that you pointed out and i love this idea when you when as soon as you talk about the kids are the keepers of of the word the keepers of that there's a reason why i call it remembering day there's a reason why mm -hmm. they have a set tradition and and they say hey the, the children are going to tell us a story and any child that is born in free water must stay in free water because they know that the true freedom is in that generation. They know that real freedom are the kids that truly don't have the confines in their mind, not just in their body, but in their mind right. of what limitations they have. Right. And I don't, I don't want to give too much away, Sorry. but there's a moment. No, no, no. But there's a moment towards the end of the story where that, that importance, that radiance, that difference is 
is so beautifully represented. So yes, I, mm. I can totally, I can totally see that. So, you know, this is a show about curiosity, right? Do you feel a particular obligation or sense of purpose in terms of encouraging curiosity about these stories? Absolutely. And I, I love that to attach the word curiosity to my goal. I think mm-hmm. that that is a wonderful place to begin. And because the the history for us often in this country has been to forget and to mm-hmm. try not to think about and to try to shy away from and this particular piece of history. And yet it's still even with the true fact is that the the legacy of the history permeates through most any facet of American life. So it's that extraordinary irony, you know, that we live in. And so the idea, I think, when I say connection, that means in wanting to connect people to the history and to the people that lived in this time, it, yes, it goes to basically to that idea of be curious, allow your heart and your mind to open for a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I hopefully have created a safe space in which to do so and to allow you to sort of hear them and be with them. My firm belief is that that basic sense of curiosity and that basic sense of connection is where understanding begins and where empathy begins. And the sad thing is if you don't have it, if you're afraid of it long enough, then other things fill in as well. So, uh, and you're able to sort of latch on other things that allow you to sort of take in senses of inhumanity and senses of, of disconnection and, and, and perhaps even hostility toward the history because it feels painful even to think of. And, and, I, and I think the curiosity allows you to reach past the, and, and sort of weave yourself through the hardship, which, um, and, and it is there, it, the, the oppression is there. And, and I don't think free water as a story necessarily shies away from that. You can see injustice, you can see, you can feel it, it's there. But the connection has to, your mind has to be curious enough to say, but what did you think to any given character? How did you feel? How did you make it through? And so I love that word. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, conversations about curiosity and work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by Amina Lukman Dawson, author of Free Water, a story of finding freedom and winner of the Newbery Medal and Coretta Scott King Author Book Award, among others. We're thinking together about curiosity. It's so interesting you you speak to what happens in the absence of curiosity. Because I, I found myself thinking a lot about something that Dr. Martin Luther King had written in Strength of Love about nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious mm-hmm. stupidity. Right, right. Mm-hmm, I mean, she's mm-hmm, she's like mm-hmm. giving herself yeah. air, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And I, I, do you think of sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity as themes in Free Water? Uh, you know, it's funny. I I think that they're present in Free Water, mm-hmm. but because there are so many other things at work against it, I don't see it as a theme. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, what I love about Free Water is that 
even with uh, the ignorances there, be it the person who calls himself the slave master, the person who, um, the overseer, be it all, all those things are there, but your mind isn't centered there. Your right. mind is always centered in free water. Even right. it, it just is uh, because you see that's where you care. That's where the caring is. That's where the, that's yeah. where you wonder. That's where your curiosity is. Yeah. And I, I spoke past you on that. I was thinking in free water, the book, not in free water, the place. I think in free water, the place, oh, there's yeah. absolutely not sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. I think there's yeah. really a desire to know in, mm -hmm. in some very, um, very meaningful, elemental, foundational ways. And I think that's actually part of what distinguishes it mm. from the dangers of the outside world, mm. which is what the book is, right? Is in the in the, the book of free water. I sort of felt like, wow, you know, some of these scenes back in the plantations. Yeah. And um that's true. You're right. There, there there's there is a sense on the plantation where you do see clear clear moments of ignorance and of a lack of real lack of understanding and, mm -hmm. and, and the dehumanization of, of enslaved people. And I put that there in a way to, to allow us just to understand a little bit of what the system is. And, and then it makes it all the more meaningful when you get to free water as well because then you see like oh wow it's not that in fact it's something completely different and 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 I also put it there because you have characters like Anna particularly or Anna uh, and Nora who are grappling with it like who are trying to figure out how to one escape it and two right. and, and for Nora to understand what her place is in it and then what she couldn't personally do about it. So it allows for a, a sense of possibility and change at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I say that I think it's sticky because there are these mm. moments where, I mean, Nora is the, is, you know, is one example of where there's this burgeoning awareness. There's this sort of mm -hmm. grappling with letting go of one's, ignorant innocence or complicity, yeah. complicity, or, you know, any of those sorts of things. It's just, or even Homer, who talks about how he could go a long time without saying more than a few words, but things needed asking at some point, yeah. you know, yeah. that he recognized he needed to poke at this thing too. I just, Absolutely. Just, I, there's I think, so many things. I mean, you should see my well, copy of this book. It's just <laughs> all these well, margin notes. <laughs> and, and I'm listening to you as you say that. Yes, it's it 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 like Homer particularly for me. I I enjoy and appreciate watching him grow. Um, yeah. Because you, you're while on the plantation, that basic concept where he felt I need to be invisible. And he took yeah. in and he actually took it as his own little superpower. Like, oh, like I can do this. And it's a survival right. mechanism because yeah. any attention is not necessarily not good. It, good and bad is probably going to end up in bad, <laughs> badly. And so I thought that that was interesting. And I loved how he tried to teach Anna that same piece. Like, I can do it. Maybe you can too. That's how valuable it was to him. And, but like you said, he, he's, 
he learns how to poke the system as well. So he gets out and he gets to a place where he, like you said, he has to find his voice. He has to, he has, he, he has to change. In free water, they don't, the community itself, this is how it can shut your voice outside of free water. It has to open your voice there. You have to live in that way. And so he learns what it means to find his voice and to be seen and to be heard. And of course, once he learns that, he's like, I, I need my mom. I, I have to go back. And you say poke the system. He literally talked about poking the system. He, 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 he said to the employees. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh my gosh. So, oh yeah, my gosh. It's true. I, there are elements. Once I've created this sort of ignorance castle mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. where, where I guess you're right. The, You'll, you're watching as each kid kind of finds their way to to tear it down a little bit. Nora, in her own way, absolutely out how to tear it down. Um, absolutely, <laughs> each of them. I mean, some of them, you know. Again, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it. Some of them are burning down the house, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and others. It's much more internal work. Yeah. It's yeah. in its own way, you know, kind of all the more transformative so you know it is all questions right Homer it's quiet yeah I actually wanted to ask you about this so the first time that we meet a very central but kind of seldom seen character in Suleiman response to them is none of those are good questions yeah right Right. so what do you think makes a good question you you know suddenly the questions it's funny because his what he he says that for me because he realizes that their questions are one based on fear or -hmm. based on running or based on and he's like no no you're you're out here now this is about survival it's about freedom and you need to know how to be free you know need to know how to survive and so their questions needed to shift and his, yeah. their thinking needs to shift. And he he understands that. And so I think a good question for him is ask me what it's like to be free. Ask me what it is to 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 survive. And that so he he gives it to me. Like, you know how to track, you know, if you want to hunt, you know how to track, you know how to, you know, how to, you know, it's very like come on now. it's very specific break out break out you break your mind out of that old place because you need to learn to survive <laughs> but see this is this was the moment where I knew I was going to love this book because it was this invitation to really thinking about whether or not we were asking the right questions mm-hmm. and whether they are the questions that would make us free you know that would make mm-hmm. give us power mm-hmm. that it would allow us to operate and for these kids, a literally new world. That to me was just huge. Oh, I love that. That is, that's I exactly perfectly said. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going to run out of time, but oh. um, you are a fellow word nerd. So I want to <laughs> invite you to do my big jar of wannabe analogies. Are you up for this? I'll yes? give it a go. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is my my big jar. It's a literal big jar. I have slips of paper in here. I'm going to take one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is in here. So um, yours is thunder and mine is beach umbrella. And I have one for the audience. So um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
Uh, you go first. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll come in. <laughs> okay. How is curiosity like a beach umbrella? Um, hmm. A good beach umbrella is big and colorful, and you want to sit under it for a long period of time. And I think curiosity at its best is big and colorful and something that you want to sit with for a long time. Oh, perfect. So, okay. so how is curiosity like thunder? <laughs> uh, well, I, it, you know, I'm, if, if it's okay with you, I'm going to make it a yeah. thunderbolt. Like a thunderbolt. Oh, yes, oh. absolutely. It's a game. You can do what you want with it. <laughs> so a thunderbolt, just like curiosity, can strike. Mm. And when curiosity really strikes you, it can literally illuminate and mm. to and 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 allow you to see things as you've never seen them before. And mm. and when you have that moment of when 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 you're struck, uh, you learn everything. You're open to everything, and you see you see the world anew. I love it. I love it. Electrifying. Oh, Electrifying is the word. I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> An audience. <laughs> Yours is snoring. How is curiosity like snoring? Let me know. Oh, Social you media. <laughs> I never know what's coming out of this thing. It's so funny. Well, Amina, wow. Thank you so much for this. And congratulations again on very well deserved recognition. And um, oh, thank this has you. been fun. This has been wonderfully fun for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate having been here. listening to Choose to be Curious. You can find this and all my previous episodes on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on the socials at Choose to be Curious. Don't forget to send us your snoring analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, award-winning author, Amina Lukman Dawson, to Cheryl Liu for her help in making this conversation happen, and to Annalisa Alperin at Arlington Public Library for egging me on, and to librarians everywhere who ensure kids have access to challenging books. I appreciate you all. Links to Amina's work on my website. Our theme music is by Sean Ballot, and this is Home Home at Last by Warm Body via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. One last little thing. I do hope that this is a book that once people read it and they feel it and they and it touches them, that it, they do feel safe to pass it on. Because I do feel as though there are barriers that people have up for themselves with this subject matter. And I can tell you it's good. Newberry can tell you it's good. But really, it comes from a trusted friend and person that you know that it's a safe space to feel good and, 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 and take it take it in. <laughs>